Welcome to another episode of Leader Horse to Water, the equine behaviour and training podcast. If positive reinforcement is your thing, I have new intakes on my courses at understandhorses.com. Those courses will be starting in the new year, the first in January, improve your positive reinforcement for those that have already started their journey in positive reinforcement. Depending on the course, there is seven or eight weeks of practical training with like-minded people. There's a great forum that you can post in and learn from each other as well as from your detailed feedback from me. The feedback I've had from the courses is amazing. So do get signed up at Understand Horses if you want to join us on one of those courses. Suze Foster and I will be hosting a new Train Clean course in the new year so follow us on facebook to not miss out on that likely to be in january the next one and of course we have our in-person clicker training workshop at nine acres in norfolk that's going to be in may 2022 there are very limited places on that course because a lot of the people that joined us last time have already expressed an interest in joining again so if you want one of those very limited spaces for a practical hands-on course do get in touch as soon as you can there will be auditor spaces so if you want to come along there's a great deal to be gained from being a part of the weekend i'm also considering offering some professional coaching over that weekend perhaps on a separate day so do get in touch if you have any ideas anyway on with the podcast hello everybody uh welcome to leader horse to water uh, again i'm joined by uh, suze foster can't get rid of her um and this time she's not been on the cider and um, we're not in the same room so um yeah not quite the same feel being on zoom again but it's really lovely to welcome uh, suze back and today we're going to have a little look at some of the things that came up in the recent uh, weekend webinar, the stimulus control webinar. And we're also going to have a little look at errorless learning. So hi, Suze. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so things, well, you went and left me on the, the weekend, uh, but you did do some training for us. So, you know, the things that came up for other people came up. For you as well and I think that the, the overall feeling was that most people thought they had a cue but actually hadn't got a cue it worked in a very specific set of circumstances a certain context um, so you did some of the stuff with B perhaps you'd like to talk us a little bit through the, the ones that you did that stood out for you I certainly I know you moved her to a different place to do to do one set didn't you yeah, so the first set I did was in a different place, although it's it was her field. Normally I'd do it um, in a different field. Um, and she, the walk on, which is her strongest cue, I thought, didn't really happen. Um, for the first one, once we'd done it once there, then it was, it did get better. So I couldn't, I couldn't get a walk on from different locations around her whereas normally I could be in front of her or towards her back end not quite behind her or her shoulder and the walk on cue would be quite effective and normally the other difference was I was in full contact and I would had been working on this with a reverse round pen so in protected contact and that did make a massive difference yeah so I that think is... that was the bigger difference rather than the change in a different location. place so do you yeah, think if yeah. you'd moved the reverse round pen to 
the field, the different field, she would have seen the context as as much more helpful. Yes. In terms of, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that so that's in a way, that's why I'm quite really keen to talk about stimulus control and errorless learning in a whole package. I mean, we'll probably look at these again and again over the years of podcasting uh, if I don't lose the will to live ever uh, and carry on <laughs> doing them. Uh, but I was also asked uh, by the lovely Ethan uh, if she if I would talk about errorless learning. Um, and just to mention that I do have a webinar that was recorded for um, Jenny Eichner's uh, positive conference last year. I know Jenny has been selling them, but I think then possibly you could look that, that they're still available. But if anyone would like the link for that, they're very welcome to get in touch with me and, and I'm happy to let you have a link. It doesn't have the Q&A on it, but you're, you're very welcome to it, uh, where I do a whole presentation about errorless learning. But I think it still is a big sticking point for people. So maybe we could just have a little look, first of all, at stimulus control and say what it is and then we can have a look at errorless learning and yeah i don't want definitions you can look these up you can look up a definition if you want the absolute um you know but i think it's really helpful for people to understand what stimulus control so stimulus control is all about cues it's all about where they work and where they don't work and it's all about having the ability to use that cue wherever you are under any circumstances. And it's also about not getting another behaviour instead of the behaviour that you wanted in the first place. Is there anything you want to add to that, Suze? Because you're the one that's been doing a lot of the actual practical with that. Uh, no. Cool. No, that's good. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I just sometimes I might, I might miss things. So, yeah, so stimulus control. It sounds awful. It sounds very controlling, but it's actually about having that communication with the horse it's really about having a common language that works everywhere so it would be like me saying uh, could you go to the shops and get me an orange but you only know that oranges appear in a certain place in a certain shop that you've been to before and you can't find that shop on my high street so you come home without an orange because you haven't got a clue and I say to you oh but they've got them in the supermarket you know like, oh well I didn't know that and and it's a bit like that for your horse if they don't know what you're after if, if you haven't in the old days it used to be referred to as being proofed a lot where people talked about proofing a behavior proofing a cue but I think now we're more we would more talk about adding those distractions and disturbances and changing things about and thinking about discrimination and I think that's something that I talked a lot about in that weekend webinar was um, you know how we look at different the horse differentiating between one cue and another cue due to the fact that you put it in lots of different situations that it can pick that out. Um, I, I talk a lot about you know that that sort of where's Wally type diagram where there's lots of little faces everywhere and they all look the same almost, but somewhere you can find Wally because he looks just that little bit different. And it's that ability to discriminate for your horse to find Wally that is really really important with your cues so I think a lot of people on the weekend found that uh, basically their cues were way more complex than they thought they were so it took not just walk on to get walk on it took walk on an arm a, a leg stepping forwards um, and maybe a click click or an energy you know, people talk about energy but maybe changes in their body language that suggested walk so i think it, it really got people thinking about you know do i actually have any stimulus control and for a lot of people 
I think the answer was probably no, not proper stimulus, not control, not in all four areas of does this cue work in every situation? Does it not work when I don't ask for it? Does it not work when I ask for another thing to happen? And does it not get offered? Does that behavior not get offered when another cue is offered? So, you know, I think full stimulus control for most people is, is a way off. And I think the one thing that I would say is, does it matter? So do you think it matters for, for you with most of the time with your horses? Does it really matter if you ha have a cue that's under stimulus control? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not really. So for my walk on, B does have a walk on, I think, occasionally. So it's not under stimulus control. But if I stand still and, and say the word walk on, but normally I'm just leading a to from the field or into the stable or it doesn't really matter if it's my feet saying walk on or yeah my words saying walk on or me yeah. smiling or whatever it doesn't yeah. really matter no so for, for, the, for the majority of people with their horses we're probably being picky and saying you know the fact that it, it would work everywhere you also get used to it working other places I think the only thing that I would say is that if you then want to load your horse into a different lorry than you've practiced on if you want to take them out on a different hack to the one that you're used to going out on that these are things that might happen because your horse only understands the cue and you know we don't often talk about negative reinforcement but I think we should talk about it more because so many people use it with horses but even if you're using negative reinforcement the same thing's going to happen it might be context-based so you might be used to putting your leg on and your horse walks forward and you ask them to go right instead of left out of the yard and they're like no it doesn't work this way and somebody tells you their horse is being an ass and you know I, they, they're just ignoring you on purpose but this works across all behavior you know it's not just whether you taught it through positive reinforcement or not so I think it's yeah it's definitely not something that a lot of people want to get into but I think it should be something that you have on your radar and I think for me I would probably not worry about some of the other situations. I just would want it to work everywhere that I wanted it to. I might not worry about the latency. Of course, latency is how quickly they respond. So in, in new areas, I would not be worried that they take a longer time to respond to a cue because it's almost like they're going through the potential answers they could give you. You know, do I do this? Do I do that? Ah, oh, okay, I could try this. And it's really important at that point that we say, yes, that's the one. Because people get greedy. Uh, I do too. Um, we know that from my dog training attempts as well. Um, and, and we do get greedy and we think that we should be getting more. So it's really a case of when you are in different contexts that you, you know, cut a little bit of slack with your criteria and you're not all the time thinking that your horse should absolutely know this uh, so yeah i think for me stimulus control is important is it the be all and end all for most people probably not but it does i think looking at it starts to bring home to you how clear your cues are and i think it did for quite a lot of people get them to break down their behaviors into smaller and smaller units um, and i think that can only be a good thing so we didn't carry it on past just trying things in different places and trying different uh, cues so we might cue the same behavior three times and then offer a new cue and some of the horses were then kind of right hang on i don't oh no i don't know where to go now because it was just a new cue thrown in that they've used before but it was a new cue that came out of nowhere and and like you said with b once you've done a few 
walk-ons or weights or whatever she yeah. was like oh right I get it uh, so I think for a lot of people it, it really brought that home so we will be doing um, another I think we're going to do a week one next time so we'll have the um, first webinar on a, um, maybe an evening in, in the one week and then we'll train all week and we'll have the final one uh, the next week uh, because then that gives people a bit more time so um, if anyone's interested either watch my page or Susie's and we will uh, oh and I forgot the exciting since I spoke we spoke last you are actually now a fully fledged certified horse behavior consultant with the IABC sorry Susie I completely forgot about that congratulations yeah Thank it's old news it's old news <laughs> but it isn't to it isn't for listeners to the podcast who might not have caught up with that and what, what's your new website because you've been very bad before but you now have got a new all singing dancing website do have a website it's oh gosh uh suze equine.co.uk so that's s-o-o-z equine all one word yeah yeah yeah, uh, I'll put that in the show notes anyway, so people can find you. Um, but yeah, sorry, completely forgot about that because it does, like you say, seem like old news, but it's it's really important news because we need more people like Suze out there to uh, carry the banner for good behaviour, knowledge and helping people who've got problems. Uh, so I, the other one that I wanted to have a little touch on today, uh, I say because mainly because Ethan did ask about it, but also because I think it's massively important. And you've been doing some training recently with your dogs where you've been looking more at errorless learning. So um, I've spoken a lot about errorless learning, but I wonder, just given your new knowledge and we've been through it before, you know, we've talked about it quite a lot. Um, but what are you seeing right now as what is different about errorless learning? Why is it? considered so some people let's just set the scene some people are quite anti it um incredibly oh, are they? yeah i didn't know that yeah i'll tell you why oh, wow. i'll tell you why afterwards because i don't want to spoil what you're going to tell us about you know what you see as as the fallout of not using errors errorless learning so first of all errorless learning is is a set of guidelines effectively isn't it so we'll talk a bit more about that shortly but what do you see as if you don't use errorless learning what can the fallout be for, for the learner whether it's a dog or a horse it doesn't matter you can talk about it from the dog perspective I think yeah well I frustration definitely um with um, we had a funny conversation didn't we about the cat so I've been training one of my cats and when he gets a bit frustrated if I've missed a click or I've gone a bit greedy, he comes and rubs on my leg, which is quite cute. And then that's fine. And off we go. If Harry, the cog, gets frustrated, he literally sends me across the stable with his head. <laughs> he doesn't bite me, but he will or he'll stomp up and down or he'll drop or he'll. It's a very different um, picture when it's a horse rather than a cat or a dog. Um, so the frustration causes fallout. And also, I found now having looked more, because I think things like errorless learning, it's really hard to get your head around what it even is. And that's taken me a long time to like work out what, what does it even mean? Um, and I think the animal learns quicker with errorless learning because it's successful all the time. So frustration is gonna make learning more difficult, I would have imagined. Um, so I find errorless learning is 
much quicker, quicker retention, and you can go forwards faster. And also if you go, oh, hang on, something's gone wrong here, you can easily go back to the step before. Yeah. Um, and then pick up where you left off. But yeah, I think, and the same with stimulus control. I think we don't really, it's taken me a long time to really understand what it means. Yeah. And just quickly going back to stimulus control, even things like your position, where you're stood in relation to the horse, or I was doing something with the cat the other day where he hops up on a little box. And I do all my stuff with a cat sitting on the floor. And I thought, I'll just see what happens if I stand up. Nah, wouldn't go near the box. And I hadn't changed location. I just literally, in fact, I think I went into a kneel and then a stand. Stand, yeah. And it was only when I was sat on the floor yeah. that he's like, oh, you, you stand up. I get it. To go yeah. So it becomes part of the queue. The queue becomes this multi-dimensional thing, um, like the what, Where's Wally picture. And you literally carefully have to take off every little person of the Where's Wally picture until the only one left is Wally. And it, yeah. it's, it's really frustrating. And all right, it might only be six things. It might not be the hundreds that you've got on the page of Wally, Where's Wally. But, you know, it, it really is like that. I mean, I, I, I've spoken to you about it being like this situation where you've got the Wally on the bottom page of, of in heavy ink really strong that's what the behavior is wally is the behavior and on top of it you've got all these layers of tracing paper where you've got a wally but then there's other bits in with it as well that are coming along as part of it and you literally have to shed every one of those pieces of tracing paper you have to work to get rid of them so that all you're left with is a clear picture of wally or a clear cue and it works everywhere and in every context. So yeah, I think that's a really, yeah, the, the cat one. And that happened with me with Sherlock, with my little dog, because I did everything at the beginning. So teaching him to lie down, I put his bed in front of me, which he would normally lie on anyway. And, and I did all that. And then when I stood up like you with the cat, he went, no. And you know, if, if that was cause, it would not, wouldn't be a problem. I could solve it instantly by giving her a cue. Yeah because she yeah. you know she's got the cues but with Sherlock there were no cues and yeah starting to in the old words proof it or add those distractions or change the context he just went no I really don't understand it and I think people don't believe it with horses the number of pieces people that say but but he knows it he knows to walk on why isn't he well obviously he isn't because he isn't doing it yeah. but yeah I think with stimulus control with horses as well well and with all animals I suppose that it's, you don't necessarily need to remove all the bits of tracing paper. No. I think you just need to remove the important ones. The bits that you need for the behaviour to work. So as you said yes. earlier, if, if moving your feet plus a verbal walk on is your cue and you're never going to ride, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But if moving yeah. your feet followed or verbal walk on followed by moving your feet is your cue and you get on your horse for the very first time, it won't walk. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so just so example, many differences, aren't there? Yeah, go on. Yeah. And that's why I think it's easy to get bogged down in stimulus control. Mm. So if I only want to lead my horse to the field, I'm never going to be stood behind her to lead her to the field. Probably not going to be stood in front of her. I'm going to be stood at her shoulder. So in that scenario, that's yeah. fine yeah and that's 
I'm I'm starting to realise that yes, I want everything under stimulus control because I'm a perfectionist and I'm a bit of a geek. But in real life, at yeah. what point? How much does it need to be under yeah. stimulus control? A absolutely, and it doesn't. You know, I say this often that if I go to a, a behaviour client who's not invested in learning positive reinforcement, and let's face it, most people aren't. If you've got somebody who's a competition rider, I consider it a win if they've even asked somebody like me to come and help them load. So, you know, at that point, if if they their horse learns that they always follow a target and there'll be food as soon as they get to it. I'm cool about that. Now, I don't normally teach people that way, but for some people, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter that every time they see that target, they're gonna try and get and touch it. it it's useful. Um, but for most people, I would avoid that. So, you know, yeah, it's definitely knowing your learner and knowing your human learner as well, I think is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, so going back to errorless learning, and this is typical of a conversation we'd have because, yeah, we go around in circles and then we just branch out and fall down a rabbit hole. So, but yeah, I think errorless learning does tie in with stimulus control because I think the amount of mess that you can bring along at the beginning, a lot of mess in the horse's head by, as you say, causing frustration. So errorless learning is really just a way of setting up behavior, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. It's in its simplest sense, it is a way of setting up behavior. So why is it different to the, so that some people use it and some people that don't? And why is it still frowned on by some people? And believe me, it is. I know people that have been training with me and other people who are using positive reinforcement are saying, why are you doing that? Why are you using such a high rate of reinforcement? You know, so anyway, uh -huh. basically errorless learning is, is a guidance for your horse, for any learner. It could be for a, a child at school. Um, so it's a little bit like if you gave a child, um, well, when mine was in France, they still did jo joined up writing. I, I'm hoping they don't still teach joined up writing um, in that sense, in the, the, the old fashioned handwriting sense. But when she was at school in France, it was yeah still a thing. And they literally sat every day cop following these and, and it's quite involved, the patterns in the French uh, handwriting and different to, to English as well. And and she would just sit there and have to copy it. And you can't be a tiny bit out. You have to be absolutely exact or you do 10 more of them. And so she made a load of mistakes, loads, and it really upset her. I mean, she's quite a was quite a sensitive type in, in some respects and, and being the only English kid in class I think you know you, there's already a pressure on you to be as good as everyone else at least if not better and and so yeah I it used to really worry me it was a very old-fashioned way of teaching that you just sit there until you get it right you keep getting it wrong and eventually you'll learn because you're wrong um, and so it's it's a way of teaching your horse what is right by the way you set up your environment so can we have a think of a, a situation where we could do this think about your your cat training one with your high five yeah that's a cute one yeah so um i'm going to train one of my cats to do a high five he already does he goes in his crate he jumps on his little box um and he sits so i've decided all horse trainers should train a cat yeah <laughs> they should because if they've had enough they just go yeah okay see you later <laughs> Um, so we're going to, we've started at the moment, he puts his left paw on a piece of A4 paper and I am stood and he's done a lot of coming back to me. So he knows 
if I toss food, he turns around and reorients and comes back yeah. to me. So just to say that's another thing that's really helpful in errorless learning is having treat delivery, food delivery systems. Oh, that, yes. That reset your animal. And we talk about that maybe in another podcast, all the different ones. I know we did talk about it a bit in the last one that we did, but, you know, I, I couldn't. I can't stress enough, we could do 10 on it and think of different ways of setting up uh, behaviours. But yeah, so you will use throw food away and then he resets by coming back to you. So yeah. that's what Suze means by that. Yeah, cool, sorry. Yeah, so um, so every time he, to start with, I just let a paw go on, it didn't really matter. Um, and then I zoned in on, because I know that he's more likely to wave his left one from when I've given him bits of chicken and it's the left one that normally comes up and bats me to tell me to hurry up <laughs> so we we zoned in on that left paw so as soon as the left paw hit the piece of paper um I clicked and chucked food again um and that's where we're at really but what's gradually I'm going to make the bit of paper smaller and smaller and smaller till it's just the left paw that goes on and not the right one as well um and then I'll put my hand under the piece of paper and then I'll gradually move my hand into a high five position yeah um, and then you take the paper away hopefully. and then he will high five well yeah. no it will 100 percent yeah. work what are the yeah. things that we should tell people if, if if they've tried something like this why might it not work probably it, you're like me and you've rushed it because <laughs> that's what i do oh, i'm bored of this size paper now let's go to a smaller bit oh yeah um so yeah probably you've just gone to this through the steps a little bit far maybe you've missed a step somewhere along the line yeah um, and maybe you haven't gone fast enough because yes, although we yeah. don't want to be greedy there are times when if you see a gap and you think oh that that's gone a bit better than I expected to take it because there's nothing worse than keep them back down at a level that they're ready to go forward so yeah I think I think that's great and I also would like you just to mention how would you have taught it if you hadn't thought about this in an errorless frame framework of, of how do I make this as straightforward because you can see how that works you know there's no moment you can shape that beautifully from a big piece of paper to a small piece of paper to your hand under the paper to your hand being elevated with the paper you've step by step led the cat to the behavior but how would you have done that if you weren't thinking errorless um so I he likes to pour and bat your hand when you give him food so I'd have just clicked that yeah. So you'd have captured it while he was in a yeah. mini extinction burst, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So he's gone. Oh, he's already a bit frustrated. And also um, normally with the paw comes the teeth. So he gets, you know, in, when he's a little bit frustrated or if yeah. there's other cats around, he's more likely to snatch the food and take your finger as well. Yeah. Um, so then you're going to capture that as well. Yeah. The bitey bit. And yeah. you're going to capture the claws out because that's how they obviously grab the food. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But you're basically capturing it through him being frustrated that he's yeah. not getting a cue for yeah. getting more reinforcement. And we say this a lot that, you know, a cue is just a signal to your learner that they can get reinforcement. And speak. so, yeah, speak of the devil. He's right in front it's of the screen at the oh, moment. He's very cute. If you want to catch up with Susan, her Oreo training, you should put them on your uh, Facebook I should. page. 
yeah I because should. not everybody is going to be friends with you necessarily of, of course they should be but um <laughs> if they're not you should put it on your horse tray you should have I a should, little yes. bank of them because it's really interesting to see cats working uh, and and don't be snobby about it anybody because you know oh. horses are not the most difficult species to train that they're they're as difficult but they're not any more difficult than any others and cats really will hone your skills but anyway yeah to go back so errorless learning is a way of avoiding extinction and extinction is something that happens when your horse we'll go back to horses to think about you know it specifically when your horse doesn't know what behavior to offer to get the reinforcer so you stand there with everything on you saying you can get a reinforcer but you haven't given them that piece of, a, of information that tells them the exact how to and so like with the cat providing the bit of paper with a horse providing a mat for them to stand on maybe you know whatever you want to do to set up your behavior in an errorless way so it might be that you work in protected contact because that makes it easier for your horse to offer the behavior you want so if your horse is used to snuffling your pockets and you're just starting out with clicker training the, the the easiest way to set it up in an errorless way would be to put them in protected contact so that there is a framework for them to see ah oh, i stand here human stands there and i don't need to go and get involved to get the the food out of, of the human um so can you think of any other situations recently that you might have used a, a, a more errorless setup for your horses Sue's, rather than just the cat or the dogs i mean any any learner really mm. but Sorry, my cats are all over me. Oh, I think it's chicken time. I'm sat in the training room. <laughs> um, so with the horses, so I was using protected contact with one um, and I still found that she was pushing her chest into the fence. So I put a fence, two barrels and a pole on top. And um, so kind of had a second protective contact. Um, and the plan is that because it's maneuverable at the moment, it's barrels with a pole on top the barrels will go on their side then the barrels will be rolled to the side and the pole will be on the floor and then yeah. i'll roll phase out the barrels and then take the pole away eventually yeah. so this is effectively protected contact with an air bubble so there's yeah. a there's yeah. not just a fence between you. and this isn't because um b is bargy and horrible and wants no, to bite you or anything it's purely to make it clear to her the behavior that you want so we might use that and you spoke really clearly there about how you'd fade out that information for her. The same thing with poles. So if you've got a horse that really understands what poles mean, you know, poles mean maybe stand here or go this way around a pole or they know that cones, you might teach them to pass through them. And you can just set up your situation for your learner so it becomes really obvious what the behaviour is. Um, and I think people then... Uh, the reason people don't like it, Sue, probably is the fact that it looks like you give a lot of food. So your rate of reinforcement in errorless learning at the beginning is pretty high. Yeah. But we know to be careful with that because we've seen this with B, that if you keep it too high and you never let them get to the point where they've got an empty mouth and they're patiently waiting for the next piece of information, that again, it can cause frustration. So, you know, errorless is about having a high rate of reinforcement so that your horse is informed about what to do. 
because that's another way. If you're not going to use poles or barrels with poles on or a target or whatever you are, want to, to set up an, an errorless situation, then you need to use a very high rate of reinforcement so that the horse gets lots of information about what it's doing. So, you know, you see a lot of people will do a walk on and they'll do five steps of walk. But actually, yeah. what you want is the horse to put together the fact that it's one step of walk. It's moving their body from zero to movement, which is important. And yeah. you're really going to be upping your rate so that the horse gets it. Ah, it's just this first moment. So that's a, another error, errorless framework, really, to, to think about. Yeah. And I think with the walk on, you can go as be as fussy as... Um, a move you know a, like a rock forwards or even a yeah. muscle movement which isn't something I really thought about before well I've thought about it but it sounded a bit boring to do so I haven't really done it <laughs> so I'm sure I'll crack on with that yeah but, but that is that's exactly it it's almost like a muscle memory it's like you won't walk on if it just lets you use that as a, a typical cue you know or yeah some people use a kiss or whatever but you say you've got walk on as your cue for walking you want that in your horse's mind to to go straight to that muscle memory of ah oh, it's walking that she wants and yeah. you don't want there to be any interference in that by asking for five steps of walk have you made it clear what what was getting you know the the click was it the first step the fifth step the tenth step i mean you can get all that later but in just so errorless learning is a way of really making behavior pop out in such a way that it's a lot easier than leaving the horse to the option and the option if you don't use errorless is trial and error yeah and trial and error is basically ignoring the wrong behavior and clicker trainers did this for years and i say there are still a lot of people that believe that that is helpful to the learner or they have to build some resilience they need to have this patience because if they do it wrong they've got to get it right and i think you know that that's not true they could keep getting it wrong forever and how where how do you go if, if you've got gone down that pathway how do you come back from that when they keep getting it wrong i mean it's really hard it's hard enough when they get it right but <laughs> that's where i'm at would be with standing still with me in a particular position mostly she's okay but with me yeah. stood in front of her yeah she is um yeah i've got a lot of unraveling to do there i think yeah, and I just started. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So just saying, like her standing still, she's linked me moving around her and stood behind her, and even away, I can leave her and walk forwards away from her, and she'll wait there. But if yeah. I'm stood facing her, yeah, uh, that that's. Yeah. And while so, I'm on that subject, Trudy. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're going off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, another one. Yeah. Even without the cider. Um, <laughs> I sent Trudy a video last night of one of my crazy dogs just throwing every behavior. She drops into a down because I've that's so highly reinforced, my bad. Um, and I had a little play when I took her back into the kitchen and she doesn't do it if she's at my side. So I think me looking at her is, is a, yeah, down. it's a cue. Yeah, 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 it's a cue. And I just sussed that one out. So I'm going to have a play with that later once she's yeah, well, one on the beach, it, which is not too crazy. That's interesting because, you know, with hoopers, you know, you again, I'm going off on another tangent here, but you, you were talking me through how you would start the setup with your back to the hoop. You get an interest in food and you turn around and the dog naturally comes around. Well, yeah. I've taught Cos to look at me because we've been doing yeah. a lot of heel work for rally. 
she now looks at me so it doesn't matter I've come around to look at the front of the hoop and I've got food with me she's still looking at me she's not looking at yeah. the hoop. I just couldn't find a slither of behavior of her look to the hoop that did anything I ended up having to move my head to kind of indicate to her that I wanted her to move through the hoop so it's so interesting. just thinking about that you could have stood the other side of the hoop in hindsight now yeah absolutely yeah there's so many things that you don't think about I could have had her mm. one side of the hoop uh, yeah anything there's so many but that's why errorless I think is really important and if you're struggling um and yeah I'm not saying for a minute that um Ethan was um struggling but I think just in her mind getting clear what errorless learning is errorless learning is such a a bold mindset it's it's looking at how can I produce behavior without my horse getting stress and sometimes the stress yeah. might be the fact that your targeting is not under stimulus control so if you say if you're doing a walk on and you're offering your target all the time for the horse to follow you, you've got to fade that target otherwise you're never going to have a clear walk on cue without your target and so um, you know, a target could easily be an errorless way of learning easily, but yeah. it's so rarely done well because people constantly have to have that. If you put your uh, target down in the middle of the re reverse round pen, does your horse still carry on walking? You know, we did this with buckets with B. We gave her buckets to go to. That's a really classic errorless learning setup. Horse goes from bucket to bucket and gets food. You set up a really lovely pattern. How long did it take us to fade those buckets? 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and we kind of went on it quite quickly. We did not yeah. want her to get absolutely stuck on the buckets. Yeah. And I think, again, that's a problem of knowing when to move on. And I think people feel a bit alone in this. Um, so, you know, if you're in that situation, you need to talk to Suze about because she has it fresh in her mind how frustrating it can be, you know, when you try to remove these things, I would be and and that they've got so stuck and with Luna as well. Yeah, I'm really interested yeah. to see how that goes with Luna. Yeah, I might um, need a bit of um, of uh, calming cookies or something. <laughs> well, for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, probably. Just take, just use the cider, <laughs> you'll be fine. Um, so yeah, so errorless is really about giving so much information to your learner. And mm -hmm. then people will go, oh, but you use such a high rate of reinforcement, you're throwing food. How can they learn? Well, they learn because you take it all away. You know, you're not yeah. always going to be giving that amount of information. And you are really good, actually, at removing it. You're good at reducing the rate. And I think um, some people don't have the confidence to do that. All, all I would say is try reducing it. If you see the tiniest bit of frustration pop in, you've popped outside of an errorless learning concept and you need to really come back in and think about it. So if things go wrong, if in the middle of a situation where they're training and things have gone wrong, maybe they haven't written a flow plan, which we always, I would always recommend, even if it's in your head, so that you have got an idea what you would do if things go wrong. But say in the moment they haven't planned and something goes wrong and they see an extinction burst, what would you do? Um, I'd lob food yeah, on the floor just, or in a bucket and reset, walk yeah. away. Yeah, just have a stop and, yeah. and think about it. And I, even if you ended it, but you know, ended that session there and yeah. then it wouldn't be the end of the world. There's this weird concept that, you know, you have to end on a good note, just bloody end sometimes, yeah. you know, because it is not yeah. going to get any better. I think that would be my advice for a lot of people. Just end Definitely. it, whatever. 
yeah. And it's very easy to go, oh, this isn't working. I'll just try this and this isn't working. I'll just do this and I'll just do one more repetition and it'll get yeah. better, but it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It invariably, and what happens is you get frustrated. Yeah. Then you start to know how your learner feels when you're not in an errorless situation. So yeah. I think what I'd quite like to do, how about, this is just off the top of my head, um, maybe going forwards over the next few months, we could take a behaviour and yeah. how, how we might train it and the errorless steps that we would do so that people can have real live examples of this rather than us saying, oh, it's easy, you get a mat or you get a pole or you keep your rate yeah. of reinforcement high. Um, and we'll just take maybe three or four behaviours and how we would set them up. Or, yeah. And by then you'll have a bit of feedback from the cat and the, the high-fiving. And yeah, so- can, can we do it with the cat? Because the cat is inside. Yeah, <laughs> it's <winter>. definitely, definitely <laughs> no high-fiving with the horse. No. <laughs> no, and no horses I don't in know. the training room. But no, I, I just, yeah, I think it would be good. We just need yeah. to talk through it. I don't think we need to yeah. um, you know, do good. any more than that. Um, so errorless sounds a little bit, you know, oh, you can't make any errors. So we're saying if you make an error, it's not a problem. It's your error. You cocked up. You didn't think about how you would like to set the behavior up or it didn't. You didn't think of the things that could go wrong. It's not a big deal. Start again, throw some food, end your session, whatever, go back to the planning stages and, and work out what you might do. Um, but it's also not about having no errors. It's error less, but you shouldn't think about that in no error. It's not about having no errors. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So errorless is really about less error, making less errors, but not zero errors. And so don't think we're saying, you know, you're a, a a naughty person I, I tell you what I, I do that's just I see this is how my brain works I just suddenly remember because we did talk about before we came on air we just did talk about the dog leave it you know that the food in the hand and I will close yeah. my fingers over the food so but there's there's a horse alternative so can you describe the the dog one that, that we're talking about I, either method it could be on the floor or in your hand whatever uh, so the one that isn't errorless yeah yeah yeah, so you put food, say you've got your dog lying down and you're sat on the floor and you put food in front of its nose um, and every time it tries to eat the food, you put your hand over the food and then only when the dog kind of backs away from the food do you give it the okay or give it the cue that it can then eat. Yeah, yeah, that's the classic or maybe sometimes yeah. they do it in the hand and they just close the hand yeah, and the fingers over the food. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. if we did that in an errorless way, yeah, we would introduce the food at a gr much greater distance, wouldn't we? Early yeah, on. and I would have a very here. This is Sue's telling Trudy now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I would um, have the dog so versed at looking towards me, so not necessarily eye contact, but orienting towards me. So a high history of reinforcement in that, and then I maybe not even use food. I might put down. Um, a pen um, and and gradually increase the um value of what's being put down by the dog yeah until eventually the dog is so used to something gets put down i look up at the at the person and get food till yeah. you put your hot dog down obviously i could put a hot dog down in my kitchen with six dogs in it no dramas no they wouldn't eat it at all not at all no or, or kill each other if they did they'd it. fight over it yeah that yeah. would be it would be a nightmare but yeah yeah no that's really, good 
yeah so that's so that, that's how I would would now teach to leave it I haven't really ever taught leave it hence why the hot dog yeah. would get eaten but and there are there, there are other loads of other ways obviously that's that's one really great way but yeah there's if, if anyone wants to look up on the internet the the zen bowl is the classic one as well where you you actually give the dog permission to go to the bowl to get its reinforcement from it and you just introduce it at at such a distance while you're yeah. doing another behavior like you say it could be look at me it could be a lie down it could be anything and then yeah. you you give them the chance to go and get it from a stress-free situation but it's so far away it might start on the top of your work surface in the kitchen so that they yeah. can't get it. it makes it so obvious oh no they can't, can you can't get it it's they you know, can. Well, yours can see I my can. my little one he couldn't manage that yeah. Layla can't my get colleague. on your work surface can she no, Layla, well, if there's a chair in the wrong place, she can. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. Okay, so that is, that's two ways of the leave it. Now, we do exactly the same with a horse, don't we? We do leave it in the old-fashioned way, and we do leave it in an errorless way. So the old-fashioned way, if anyone's ever seen the horse that looks away, that sharp look away, and people think it's great. They, they describe it as teaching manners to their horse around food. And the horse looks away. And unfortunately, the look away is often part of a, a, a behavior pattern that erupts out of frustration, where the horse tries everything else and then thinks, oh, well, it must be this. And you capture it. You click it. You put your head away. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll click it. So you're actually capturing as you are with the dogs a frustration burst which is really really awful when you think about what might be going on in in their brains at the time with their emotions so that would have been the old-fashioned leave it for a horse um but for now for in terms of errorless learning we would look about be at being in protected contact and you know making that rate of reinforcement so high that the horse doesn't have to come to you to get the food and then you're going to very gradually add a little duration to that. You're going to move around in it. So it's a whole different thing. The horse is never going to put its head away in this sort of stressful situation. It's, it knows what the behavior is in that situation. Do you want to add anything to that? I mean, that's something we've done quite a lot in all the courses and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think that's. I haven't, yeah. I've never really thought of it as similar to a leave it, but I guess it is, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, it's all exactly the same idea. The same. It's don't yeah. mug me. It's, um, yeah. you know, don't get involved. It's, you know, have good manners. Well, it's just a conversation you can have with your horse. So you, you teach it, you, you set up the behavior you want, which is head forwards and not in yeah. the food bag. And you make it nigh on impossible for them to offer you the behavior. Not only nigh on impossible, because you don't want them chewing the, 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 the gate or the fence that is offering the protected contact. That's why you've got to you know, go in high with your rate of reinforcement because you don't want the foot pouring, the hoof pouring. You don't want the tail swishing. You don't want any frustration. So your rate is high. It's like you stay there and the click will happen. Um, it's also about having a really good, strong you know, reinforcement loop. We've talk, we talked about that last time. But yeah, so uh, I think we've had a bit of a romp through errorless learning then so it's less error rather than errorless it's not about being perfect there is no perfection uh, it's about avoiding extinction where you can anything else before we go uh planning definitely planning uh, yeah says sue to the, the queen of not planning 
yeah, but yeah it, it makes so much difference yeah that is a bit hilarious but coming from Sue's but planning does yeah. it really does even if you can only think it in your head before you go out there not everybody writes stuff down um, but if you or even if you say it on video so say you're videoing your training session do a moment to camera just it'll be stand behind the camera if you don't want to be on it and just say i'm going to start with five reps of this i'm going to keep a high rate of reinforcement blah 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 and you just talk yourself through it it's a really really good way to get into planning i think is, yeah. is to just do it in, in the way that works for you not not um you know making it too difficult for yourself cool yeah Excellent. So we'll end it there because we've probably gone on. I've got no idea what time we started, but yeah, that's probably enough for people to cope with. And we'll be back soon again. Um, I've got a recording coming up soon with a veterinary behaviourist. So that's going to be one to really look forward to as well. And Susan and I will think about um, some errorless learning, actual uh, we'll do them as short ones i think some some yeah. sort of short sharp uh, maybe take three or four behaviors and talk through how we would set them up in an errorless learning framework excellent thanks for cool. joining me suze lovely to see you as always and you too and uh, we'll speak again soon thanks for joining us everybody bye for now I really appreciate you having listened to that episode of Leader Horse to Water. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe see fit to reinforce me by sharing it on social media. I'll be along soon with another episode. I've got some great guests lined up for season two. You can find me on Facebook, Trudy Dempsey, Equine Trainer and Behaviour Consultant. If you search at Creative Equine Training, you'll find me on Facebook. I'm on Insta and I've got my website, equine.training. And you can also find my courses at understandhorses.com. Don't forget, have a look on Facebook at those events that I'm running and get yourself signed up because they're going to be awesome. See you again soon. <laughs>